Welcome to The Voice of Retail for the week of April 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, and this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada and sponsored by Stream Commerce, North America's fastest-growing Shopify Plus agency. Learn more at streamcommerce.com. In this episode, part one of my conversation with serial retail innovator Peter Van Stock, CEO of Vancouver-based Spud. In a wide-ranging conversation, we talk about the businesses he founded, his journey to creating a circular economy business, and the fundamental nature of innovation in retail. Next, a feature interview with the one and only Tony Chapman as he expands on his latest article, Mind Your Peas But Own Your Own Bees, in advance of his appearance on the main stage at RCC Store Conference, along with three retail titans. Lastly, a special bonus interview with Michelle Ribot, Director of Events at Retail Council of Canada, talking about Store 2019, Excellence of Retail Awards, and the Canadian Grand Prix Awards. Last but not least, I'll cover off the top retail news of the week, including Henry's on the acquisition trail, Lululemon's aspirations towards growing menswear category, celebrating Edmonton-based business Poppy Barley, the Golden Goose, Casper doubles down on Canada, changes at Chico's, and much, much more. But first, let's listen to my interview with Peter. Peter, welcome to The Voice of Retail. I have to say I'm really looking forward to our conversation. You and I have known each other for a couple of years, but it's been a while since we've actually had the opportunity to sit down and catch up. Uh, so looking forward to our uh, our chat, and uh, particularly since I've been trying to manage time zones and I've been vexed, it seems, between time zones and, and technology. So uh, once again, great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm really good. Thank you for asking. It's been a, it's been ex- uh, a, a lot of... A lot of amazing things happening to our company, so it's it's nice to have a, the ability to sit down and just chat about strategy and what the world is doing in retail. So I'm excited. Well, let's just jump right in. Um, why don't you take us through your journey from uh, from creating a category defining beverage all the way up to creating a circular economy business in in Spud? Tell us about uh, tell us more about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I've I've been in retail. Um, it's, it's more on the other side of the table for the majority of my career. I, I started a, a soda company here in Vancouver called Jones Soda, and I moved it to the United States back in 1997. I launched it, moved to the States in 2000, and retired in 2007. And um, Jones Soda was uh, really an interesting and exciting, fun ride with respect to how do you compete in a retail space that's dominated by two major players, both Coke and Pepsi. So we were the first ones that were sort of figuring out how to play in that space. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It's just sort of, you know, being different and being unique. And um, then I retired. And, you know, when you retire, you, you go, you know, it was quite fun. I, uh, I went on a trip to Thailand, did a fast, uh, bought a motorcycle, and I realized then that I didn't want to sell sugar water and I didn't want to be known for selling sugar water. And um, from that sort of retirement, I sat on boards um, um, and, you know, was able to provide some some companies and also got into Vitamin Angels, which is a not-for-profit, and looked at different opportunities and Spud was presented to me, and you know, it's at that time the name stood for Small Potatoes Urban Delivery, and I was like, "God, do I hate that name, you know, Michael? I hate the name. It's horrible. Um, I hate Small Potatoes um, Urban Delivery because it just sort of it sort of put you in this small space. So <laughs> I yes, could see how you would be putting yourself already into exactly, a small box, you're right? In this sort of this place where you don't really know what you to do with, but. I really loved the thought of online grocery because when I looked at that, that was back in 2010, and and there was all those statements that you know customers aren't going to buy food online, and you know no one's going to shop online for groceries, and and it was sort of like this sort of you were dealing with a group of people that were similar to saying that no one's going to buy a soda that's not Coke or Pepsi, and um, that was sort of the challenge, right? I I did the research and sort of just started to look at and say, hey, if you look up and you look forward and you look five years in, from 2000 to 2015 or 10 years from 2010 to 2020, that's not going to be the case. And uh, that's the journey that I started with Spud. Well, let's talk about innovation. I mean, you, you, you have this history of innovating in very difficult categories, um, in the beverage category and now in the grocery category. So I'm kind of intrigued by 
your your approach and how you uh, work at innovation because I don't think it, it happens by accident. So tell us a little bit about I don't know your your process or how you think about innovation. Yeah. So what 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 I think I'm good at and and I think what the, you know what retailers need to get really good at is talking to the customers, but also knowing that your customers are going to change. So if you're talking to your customer today, that's not necessarily going to be the customer of tomorrow. And I think that's a real, real challenge that a lot of people have. And that's one of the, the fortunate things that I've been able to do because I've sort of surrounded myself with young, very smart, very creative people who provide a different perspective than myself or someone of my generation. And so that keeps you sort of young and keeps you sort of vibrant in what the trends are coming. And and I think that's been the success of Jones was we had these really young, really intelligent people who were who were keeping keeping the brand fresh and always changing. And what I think is the same with Spud is that I've taken that same DNA and brought in those same people. And that's why Spud is constantly evolving and we've evolved quite a quite extensively since we took it over. You know, I had a chance when working for Rogers to meet uh, Ted Rogers. And there's a great Ted Rogers story. It's one of my favorites about how he was walking down the street and saw people with this thing attached to their ear, this giant box. And, of course, it was a mobile phone. He rushed back home, basically. I'm paraphrasing a bit. And, and, and said to the board, listen, we need to get into this mobile phone. It's going to be something. I've, I've see, I'm starting to see it. Um, and, and the board hated the idea. In fact, his own wife voted against him. So he had to start a separate company. And, and you know, it, it, it's really an interesting story. It's a great Canadian foundation story. But it, it seems to me that, that great entrepreneurs and great innovation happens with this mix of, of empathy and, and curiosity. What do you think? Exactly. It's, it's, so what I think happens is that we tend to listen to the people closest to us and we send, tend to surround ourselves with people like-minded um, and if you do that, then you're going to, you're going to be drinking the same Kool-Aid. And one of the things that people say, Hey, Peter, you're innovative and you see trends and, and, you know, how do you do it? And, you know, it's not that hard actually. So it's about keeping your eyes open and you know, open to the possibility. Yeah, and, and it's just like, you know, if, you, if you're the CEO of a retail company and you know that your, your average age of your customer is 55 or 60, then you know that that customer is not going to be your customer in, in the next five or 10 years. This person's coming down and they're coming up from there. And so you have to take that time to learn about that customer. If you spend all your time focusing on that 55 to 60 year old customers, you're only going to attract more of the same and you're not going to sort of find the, the new customer. And you can see that throughout, you know, throughout retail where we, we've sort of, you know, from looking at suburbia as being the the promised land to now we have an urban movement. And if you're looking at urban movements, you're looking at a different, you know, trend with, you know, the, the, the numbers are coming in, the kids aren't buying cars, they're not getting their license, you know, so these are all have impact on retail. Um, and, in the, you know, and the number of SKUs and everything, everything, everything. And so it's, it's the signs are out there, the, the telltales are out there. You just have to be open to looking at them from a different perspective. Well, that's a nice segue for us to jump to the conversation around Spud itself. And and for those less familiar with your business, certainly those living in Vancouver and, and the West be very familiar, your top-rated, consistently customer choice home delivery grocery system. But it's a lot more than that. And even when we think about online grocery delivery, it, you have a very specific ethos and a very specific strategy um, that has really articulated itself in the business model. Let's let's talk about that for a while. Describe Spud for us and how you approached building that business um, to serve your customers uh, in Vancouver and, and Western Canada. Yeah, so we have this we have this saying here, and it's called Life, and it's local integrated food ecosystem. And so that's so that's what drives the, the conversation. So when when we're talking as a group, we're talking about what is the the ecosystem. Right, so then that opens a conversation that's slightly different than what is just one thing, and when we look at that, we look at so what are the, the sort of the, the things that our customers want. So, from a Spud perspective, our customers are um, they're educated and they want 
sort of natural organic food, but they also want to be part of the solution. And so when we started to talk to them about what does being part of the solution mean, well, they said there's really two things, it's, or actually three things. One is they want to be part of a community. So then we went off to build the Be Fresh line, which uh, is retail stores, small, very small footprints, as you've seen, that create, that create a, a community relationship with those stores. And in those stores, those stores are, we look at those as sort of teaching units where we're, we're educating our customers on things like how to make vegan cheese or kombucha or things that they want. And it's sort of more of a hands-on, touch, feel, tent place. But it doesn't have to be big. Like So the retail size space is very small. And then we then went on to say, okay, what else do they want? And they said they want to be part of the solution, which is what our team wants from a sustainability standpoint. And so we said, okay, then let's look at sustainability in a bigger ecosystem, not just what SPUD can do. So we started to look at what SPUD can do. And then we realized that the true value that we have to our customers and to the planet is taking what we do and sharing that with incumbent retailers and offering a service where how can SPUD utilize their 20 years of e-commerce experience, their 20 years of programming, their 20 years of technology and, and enhancements, and their 20 years of trying to drive down the cost of unit economics of delivering groceries, and how can we share that with larger, more established brands? And then how do we convey to our customer that it's okay that we're working with, in this case in Vancouver, we work with Walmart. And how can that be okay for a customer who is so adamant about organic and local, no GMO? You know, we've abandoned ingredients at Spud. You can't buy high fructose corn syrup. You can't buy Heinz ketchup because it's not on the list. And, and they, they want us to have this very sort of stringent and tight, you know, curated products that meet their family's requirements so they don't have to read labels. You know, they said to me, Peter, I don't want to read labels when I shop at Spud. I want you guys to make sure that those are clean. And these are the items that we want to be there. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't necessarily go and buy chips somewhere else or buy chocolate bars somewhere else or, or soft drinks or whatever. That's not the case. But when they're shopping at Spud, they want to be able to feel like they're, they don't have to read labels. So now you say, okay, well, that's great. We've done that. We've been doing that for 20 years. But now we want to introduce a partner like Walmart. And they're like, holy smoke. But we were able to share with them that the benefit of, of us working with Walmart is a greater good. It's, and, and I'm not trying to sound goofy. I'm trying to sound realistic. And I said, if every grocery store had trucks on the road, then you're, you're diminishing the value of a consolidated load, which reduces the number of cars on the load. If Spud is known as a grocery store that does, has no plastic bags, so if you, don't, if you get an order from Spud today, you are the only online grocery store in Canada that does not deliver in plastic bags. So that means how does Walmart move from a grocery store that has plastic bags to an online grocery store in Vancouver that doesn't? So we've made that shift for Walmart. If you look at our food waste at Spud, we have technology around food waste that reduces our food waste. And we also then measure that and can validate that and 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 sort of utilize those those tools to, to continuously reduce our food waste. So I'm very proud that our company has about a 0.5% of COGS on food waste. Well, 0.5, wow, that's yeah. a super impressive number. Yeah, well, no question. And you know that the average is between five and six. So if, if we can help other retailers reduce their food waste, obviously Spud is a small company. That won't really make a big difference in the world. But a company like Walmart or Loblaws or, or these bigger, bigger, larger companies, their food waste reduction will have a huge impact on greenhouse gases. And so that's what we were able to communicate to our customers. And they were, they were okay with this. They were very like, yeah, no, I get what you're trying to do here. And I, I, I get that uh, we've, got, we've, got, uh, we've got stuff going on and... Um, what we're doing is is different, and they they embrace the idea of being part of the solution in a bigger, bigger place, and that's the most exciting thing that we've been able to achieve. Well, it's certainly a characteristic of the modern retail economy that a big 
companies like the Walmarts of the world are going out and, and finding innovation and creating innovation with partners that um, I'm not sure they would have a decade ago. And, and your partnership with Walmart is a great, uh, great example of that. And, and I also think of um, both Walmart and uh, Loblaw both uh, use Instacart. So, you know, it's opposed to having to think that they're going to build everything themselves from the beginning into the end. They're, they're starting to find partners who are really, really good at uh, single components of the value chain and, and outsource that expertise or bring that expertise in-house to, um, to come together. The other thing I think is interesting is certainly in the same vein is uh, the Sobeys partnership, uh, Safeway on the West Coast with uh, Ocado. So again, seeing outsourcing of parts you might not have seen 10 years ago to real deep, um, deep, real deep specialties and specialized organizations like yourselves that are digital first and innovative and, and just seeing around corners. Yeah, so the, 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 really what we've sort of thought about it at, at, in our company is that we've created basically a separate company called FoodX. And FoodX is a completely separate brand, and it is the um, what we call the, the carpooling for your groceries. So that's our, our tagline. And really what it does, it allows – it's a micro-fulfillment center. So if you think about it in in – from, from the world of groceries, um, there's two types of, of delivering groceries. There's one from the store where you, you have an Instacart model, which you, you mentioned, where someone uses the inventory from the store and they walk around that store and they put it in their car and drive it to you, to your home. Or there's a fulfillment center, which is a large, in, in which you would know from Okada, which is these very large fulfillment centers and they 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 service the, the community from these large fulfillment centers what we've said is that there's maybe a better way and we we went and said okay let's look at this slightly different let's look at this from a, a different perspective and and looked at it from different sort of um vantage points and sort of decided that we were going to create what's called a micro fulfillment center and now we're the first micro fulfillment center that i know of in north america that's partnered with a, a national retailer um, the versus Instacart, which is using inventory from the store. So what we do is we accept the inventory from our partner. We share it with inventory from Spud. So that inventory is, is in shared in within the facility, but it's not shared within the basket, meaning that the customer doesn't have access to Walmart inventory from Spud, nor does Walmart customers have access to Spud inventory but the in, the warehouse has shared inventory, which is very unique because what you're doing is you're creating density for both companies. So you're taking the best of what you're trying to accomplish with, as say, an Instacart, which means that they're using inventory uh, and fulfilling it. And what we're doing is saying, no, we can be faster, better, more sustainable, have better, better um, pick ratios, better cost. Better all the things that retailers are looking for because we are then taking the information from our retail partner in the format they normally provide to their existing stores. And then we convert that information into an online component, which which is very unique because it doesn't it allows the retailer to play online like they do with Instacart without all these added costs of creating this massive um what we would call back-end uh, integration to, for themselves. So we actually do the heavy lifting both and in the inbound fulfillment and delivery, as well as we do some heavy lifting on the tech side. That's what we've created with FoodX. And that we, we believe, and uh, I'm pretty comfortable saying that FoodX will be, uh, um, you know, the ability, will have the ability to, to play in other markets both in Canada and the U.S. to support retailers in their in their push towards online, and I'm very excited about that because I think that would make, um, uh, you know, a, quite a unique a unique opportunity for for our company that we're an enabler of a platform opportunity for retailers across North America and, and eventually globally. We'll be right back. This is Steve Dennis. 
After more than a 20-year career as a senior executive at brands like Neiman Marcus, I'm now a consultant, speaker, and Forbes contributing writer on what it takes to reinvent retail in the age of digital disruption. And the good news is that physical retail isn't dead. The bad news is that boring retail most certainly is. So I hope you'll join me at Store 2019 to hear my unique take on the state of modern retail. As the lines between digital and physical blur, and as consumer preferences evolve, retailers need to reimagine their customer experience, often radically. In my keynote, you'll discover what brands around the world are doing to transform their business to be more remarkable, and you'll learn eight killer strategies so you don't wind up stuck in the boring middle. That's Store 2019, May 28th and 29th in Toronto. Learn more and get your tickets now at storeconference.ca. Tony, welcome to The Voice of Retail. Thanks for having me. So you know what? You and I met across a very long boardroom table at Hudson's Bay in the early 2000s. I think you were still with Capital C, right? That was your agency. And we were trying to figure out this whole social media thing, and we were opening up Home Outfitters. And I was on one long end of a boardroom, and in you came, and we were talking about stuff that really not a lot of people were talking about then. So while you and I go back a while, uh, the listeners may not know who you are. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you've been and where you are now. Well, I spent 30 years as an entrepreneur, and I built three agencies. first one was focused on internal communications. I tried to get CEOs in the C-suite to animate their, their strategies and their vision so that people would buy in. I called it head, heart, and hands. Make your ideas easy to understand, something that people get emotionally connected to, but most importantly, they grab and make their own. I did that for about 12 years, sold that business, and then I started one more consumer-facing. And we were always fascinated with the big idea that works. You know, mass media, there was hundreds of agencies around the world that could do 30-second ads. But what we really wanted to do is how to take advantage of the new channels that were emerging, uh, uh, the consumer's appetite for more interesting things versus just being sold a brand. So we, we had a great run. We, uh, we did that for 22 years, one agency of the year, hundreds of gold awards. Uh, had it's so a great fun. run when you, when you think of how many agencies come and go. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a great pedigree, right? The pedigree I loved is we were the first agency anywhere in the world to launch a car without a dollar of advertising. We used social media. Or we had a, a bride cut off her hair just before she got uh, married and as a viral ad, before viral ads were created for uh, Sun Silk Shampoo, and it became one of YouTube's top 10 ads. And it was a $3,000 budget. So I look at the, the, the awards were fun, but what I really loved is when you created stickiness, traction, and, so, and when you had that happening and you had the consumer jump on it, be part of it, and connect it back to the brand. There's one thing to get the consumer excited. Another thing is, did the brand have relevance in the story? And that's what we love to do. And I also did a research firm as well. But five years ago, I sold it all. I wanted to reinvent myself. And uh, today I spend my life chasing microphones. I do TV, radio, and uh, hosting and uh, keynote speaking at events. Sharing wisdom, chasing microphones. Yeah. Uh, you travel around the world. Uh, and speaking of which, you're going to be on the stage at Retail Council of Canada's Store 2019 coming up May 28th, uh, not just around the corner, relatively speaking. Tell us a little bit, first though, before we talk about what you're going to be talking on stage, I guess the two are connected. You just put a great article up onto Retail Council of Canada's website, uh, Mind Your P's But Own Your B's. I love the title. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so anyone who hasn't read it can get access to it. So tell us about you know, how you're thinking about retail in 2019 and what it takes to compete as a retailer, really compete against you know behemoths that are online or, or just compete against the, the retailer down the street? I'm a huge proponent of, of bricks and mortar. I love retail. I love it on the main street. I love it what it does for the energy of the city, the property values, the jobs, everything that happens around retail. But it's playing on its back feet because it's losing to the e-commerce world because it's playing by the old rules. The old rules, rules of retail are simple. Nail your premise. Make sure you've got great product, merchandise that people want, merchandise right. Put a great promotion against it. Make sure your price point is right. Place, place, place your location and your people. All of that has been mashed up and negated because of the fact that now your phone is the world's biggest vending machine. Hmm. So all the things that you had as your advantage at one time have disappeared and almost overnight. And what e-commerce, I can promise, will do is continue to get faster, better, and more efficient. You can't compete on efficiency, that's for sure. You can't. You're just not going to win. So you better figure out something else. Absolutely. And where you have to compete is the one thing that that machine doesn't have is a heart. As everything else, it's faster, better, cheaper, and more efficient. So 
How do you bring your heart to life? Mm. When you say, well, we're going to improve our customer service. What does that mean? Oh, we're going to have a, 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 you know, a better experiences in store. What kind of experiences? So what I did was, yeah, you have to still mind your piece. You have to get the, the basics of retail right. Because those haven't gone away, right? They haven't I mean, gone away. You still need to be a great merchant. You still need to be in the right place. I the, mean, you still need all, all of those things, right? But that's not enough anymore. And what I say is the interesting about human beings is that they're social creatures, they're always trying to be something better. They want to be more secure and safe. Mm. They want to be uh, more part of a community. They want more love and belonging. They want to be part of a, a purpose or pursuit. Pursuit. And nowadays, they really also want to be a better individual, a more you know, a greater sense of who they are. So, I, my whole premise is to say, if you could understand what your store could be for people. And some great examples. Winners has done a good job because mm. it's the Picasso in the, in the attic. People go out there looking to be a great treasure hunter. And, you know, it's funny you bring up the one TJX, Winners, yeah. HomeSense, and, and Marshalls. They don't sell online in this country, no. right? It's, so it's interesting, I think, that – and they're just starting to. They did it one time in the U.S. They're just – I think Marshalls is going online. But they can, they're competing and winning without having to master online that – may come to pass that they may, may may need to do that. But in the short run, whatever that looks like, they're still winning. I, with, hope, I hope they don't. And I, I don't understand why the dollar store is going on because the dollar store was an affordable mm. treasure hunt. If you're Main Street, you want to be known. People want to come in. Hey, Michael, what's going on? What's, hey, you know, butchered. Uh, would you like that? Would you like that rack of lamp? Have I got something for you? Yeah. Personalized. You know, if you're uh, if if some people want to come in and want to be foodies, and, you, and if you're a store that's catering and organics and stuff, you can talk about herbs or e- ethnicity and bringing fusion of food together, and people walk away not just with the product they brought, but you're helping them be a better foodie. They've got a story to tell when they come home. Hard to do at scale, right? I mean, you see a couple of great examples of what you're describing. You see the malls getting into this Oxford with their their bespoke food mm-hmm. courts. They opened up at at uh, Upper Canada and in Square One in Toronto, Mississauga. So you see. The the malls trying to get to that bespoke food thing. You certainly see some some regional players being very strong in that. But it's, it, how do you scale that kind of butcher is a great example, right? Listen, you've been buying steak for me for five years. You never bought chicken. I'm pretty sure you buy chicken. Try some of this amazing uh, organic chicken. How do you how how do retailers think about scaling those experiences it's that you're describing? Great question, and it's it, it takes a lot of courage because, for example, I'll give you Mount Co-op, one of my favorite. You walk in there and you want to look, you know, you can buy hiking boots anywhere, but you go to Mount Co-op and you have a hiker selling you hiking boots. Right. And they're, and they're telling you, they're helping you get to where you want to go. You can buy running shoes and t-shirts anywhere, but I go to the running room and, yeah, I'm thinking of getting in shape. Well, why don't you come walking around the block with us Tuesday night? We're starting a walking group. Hmm. You walk around and next time you go back, you're walking. Somebody says, hey, you feel like jogging for 30 seconds? Yeah. Six months later, you're running a 5K. Running room, help me get to where I want to go. So it changes the conversation and consideration from what you sell to the moments that matter most to me. So I think it is very scalable if you are focused on what your offering is and why is it important to the people that matter most to you. Mm. Where it fails is you start getting into mass trying to be one, one size is all. Right. I look at Shoppers Drug Mart now and I go, the interesting thing that I'm seeing that business morph into is that is a, a very efficient way of Loblaw selling food downtown where it's very expensive because you can get a higher margin. But where I'm seeing Shoppers is not just the fact that it's selling food, it's really laddering up now to the sense of well-being. I'm going to make you look better with my beauty. I'm going to make you feel better with my pharmaceutical, but I'm going to make you eat better. And so as you start taking that core essence and idea and say, okay, who are the people I need to hire? What is the product that best demonstrates it? Let's not cheat the premise and try to stretch beyond what we are. Mm. Home hardware. You want to come in and you go, you know, next thing you know, the person's vested in your deck, vested in what your home project is. So it takes courage. It takes conviction because it's not... Where I've seen bricks move now is how can I get labor off the floor? How can I go to a self-serve environment? Mm. If that's the case, you're taking the heart of your business and you're you're making it glaringly apparent you can't compete with e-commerce. Now, some retailers would say, um, in fact, most, if not all, would say, well, I'm going to put some self-checkout in because some consumers are demanding it or like it. But it allows me to free up that same labor and do exactly what you said. You know, I don't need necessarily everyone swiping packages on the way out. I'd rather have somebody in the cheese section recommending a great wine. So, you know, you do see this intersection of technology at retail. It's interesting, you know, just having the discussion around how different retailers can approach it, though, right? I mean, there's 
doing too much technology so that you might as well, you know, it's almost like you're going to try and compete with efficiency, but how that heart and hand, as you describe it, play into one, I think. Uh, absolutely. I think technology's got a great role. Beacon technology, facial recognition down the road. Amazon uh, Go, you know, uh, just shop it like you stole it kind of stuff. Is it, that's an experience in and of itself. It, Funny, it's right? For sure, and there's that. a bunch of people who want it. I also think there's going to be a real pushback, and where some retailers are going to get smart is that as we, as right now we're fascinated by robots, and we're fascinated by automation. But when they start aggressively populating the marketplace and you have a personal experience, my sister just lost her job or mm-hmm. I just lost my job, mm-hmm. that robot starts coming for it. I think that we're going to start voting with our wallets. Mm-hmm. The same way we're being much more moving beyond immediate gratification saying, what does this company stand for? What is their impact? What are they mm-hmm. doing about the environment? I think that some retailers are going to play to the strength of saying, hey, we hire people in your community. You shop here, you're, you're supporting your local community, that might have an impact. But I think it's a bigger, the bigger idea of the sense of, of, of own your bees is understand why people are in. There's people that are out right now and they want to be seen or they want to see. They want to be naughty, they want to be adventurous, they want to be more secure. Uh, you know, you go to Walmart because they've always established we're the lowest prices. So I know I, there I'm, I can be safe and I'm getting the best price. Stand yeah. for something that you can own, right. drive it out, and I, that's what we're going to talk about when we uh, get in front of the audiences at Store 2019. Well, let's talk about that. It's a great segue. So, uh, again, May 28th, you're going to be on the stage. You'll be chatting about this in a little more depth in, in terms of uh, on the main stage first. So it's a great way to kind of lay a foundation. But then you're going to be interviewing some interesting cats who are really, I think, doing exactly what you're describing. So on the stage with you is uh, David Boone, right, from Staples. Uh, you're going to have Joe Minram, and you're going to have um, Joe Jackman. Jackman, so Titans. I mean, you've got more Titans in a Marvel comic book. So tell us a little bit about what you, how you're going to take that on. That session alone to me is worth the price of admission because of those three, uh, the insights and ideas are going to share. So how it starts off is I'm going to take about 15 minutes to do this sort of excerpts of my talk, mm. break apart this platform economy, these digital matchmakers that are using algorithms to connect buyers and sellers, the fact that they're now valued at $7.2 trillion. They're not going away. That's the elephant in the room, the, the online e-commerce. Countering that are retailers, bricks and mortar. What can we do to compete? So we're going to spend a lot of time on that sense of mm. mind your P's and know your B's. Then we're going to get into the best example that I've seen in Canada is what Staples has done with their makeover, where they're saying, we're not just in the business of selling printing paper. We're going to create a, a, a place where people can come in and share it. They can work out of it. They can learn. They can create. They can collaborate. We're going to have a cafe. We're going to take all these people in their home offices and small business people that have no network and say, hey, Staples can be a mm. hub for you. So it's kind of taking the Starbucks model where you see a lot of entrepreneurs use it as their office, <laughs> bring it over to Staples, and while you're there, yeah. you're going to get you know product you can't get anywhere else. You're going to get ideas, solutions. service. You got all kinds of services there. Marketing, everything. Yeah. You're going to get the Genie Bar, everything. The best of the best of Best Buy, Apple retail combined with the sense of workspace. And that's the brilliance of when you get a guy like Joe Jackman and you get uh, and Mimran and you get the, the David Boom and Staples and having that sense that, hey, we don't have to play on our back feet as a retailer. That Beating that emotion about helping you be more competitive, helping you be a better educator, helping you get to where you want to go and we're, we're going to help you do that, that's the difference between whether I'm going to shop online or are going to visit that store. And I think that's that's going to be a great session to bring that to life. Well, I, I can only agree. So if uh, the listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, hear what you're saying, and maybe you might want to uh, get in touch and have them have you visit them. How do they get in touch with you, Tony? Tony Chapman Reactions on LinkedIn, is, is uh, or Tony Chapman Reactions on my YouTube, or TonyChapmanReactions.com on my website. So it's the easiest way to do it. LinkedIn's probably the best because we have an immediate connection. I post almost every day something there, yeah. but it's... Uh, Listen, be, if you're in retail, don't put on your back feet. Get excited. There's so much opportunity to bring heart back into it. And that's what, you, the longer you stare at the screen, the more you realize it's devoid of, of something that's going to make you excited. And that's what we're going to talk about. Well, listen, we could talk about uh, this for a long time. So I have to have you back on the podcast uh, later in the year. Look forward to it. Uh, and catch up again. So for now, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Michelle, welcome to The Voice of Retail. Thank you. Uh, it's a real treat to be able to uh, have you on board. It's a very hectic time for you. We just wrapped up at Retail Council of Canada, just wrapped up two, not one, but two exciting two, conferences, yes. uh, HR and uh, retail, retail marketing. marketing. Yeah. yeah, And now we're 
we're into the big kahuna store. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell sure. me, uh, tell the listeners a bit about yourself and what you do here and how you came to be here at uh, RCC. Yeah, so I'm currently the director of events. I've been with Retail Council of Canada for eight years now. I started uh, as the assistant manager on the events team and have worked my way through the ranks over the last eight years and uh, have the honor of leading the events team and working on all of our incredible events that Retail Council of Canada does across Canada. So you got the, uh, you've got the unique combination of being both part of an association and the skill of events, both of which in many cases are separate, but in your case and the team that you build here, they're one and the same, right? That's right, yes. So it's really a unique combination. So tell us a little bit about then why associations, particularly RCC, does events. We do so many of them each year, uh, but why, you know, what's our objective? Yeah, well, I mean, our events provide incredible value to the industry. Uh, We carefully craft our content with event committee. So it's really built by retailers for retailers. And our committees are able to share top of mind opportunities for learning that you can't find anywhere else. So our content on the stage ends up being really top notch and we're able to bring together top level industry leaders, both retailers and retail suppliers to the stage and they share their knowledge and expertise. And uh, in addition to that, the benefit of the in- to the industry uh, as an association is that our conferences help fund the great work that Retail Council of Canada does um, in advocacy. So all the all the work that our government relation team does, mm. coming to our events helps fund all of those great efforts. So I love that that last point because um, there's a lot of great conferences out there. Um, I'm going to a couple. You go to you go to many. But really, you know, we're a not-for-profit. Retail Council Canada is a not-for-profit. So these events, attending these events, not only allows you to network with each other, have great thought leadership. We know our members love networking. Retailers love networking course, because you yes. can hear the volume of activity yes, definitely. in the hallway. But um, at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, these events also help fund our activities that help retailers from coast to coast. So, exactly, yes. Uh, it's a great... Um, it's a great benefit to these conferences. Now, let's talk about the Big Kahuna Store yes. 2019. Give us a give us an overview. Yeah, I mean, we have an incredible lineup this year. We have over 70 retail leaders, and it's an event that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, some of the names that we have on stage are HBC, Staples, Aritzia, Wearable X, Smash and Test. Those are some of the great retailers. We also have some top-notch uh, industry leaders like Doug Stevens and Steve Dennis, who's a Forbes contributor. So it's really going to hit it out of the park this year with the content and the learnings at the conference. And you and I just got off the phone with another interesting speaker who's actually going to wrap our day two, right? That's right, uh, Walt- Walter Robb, the founder, co-founder of uh, Whole Foods. So interesting. Yeah, he's going to f- end the conference on a high note. Uh, we have a 45-minute session, so it's going to be a great keynote and then some dive a little bit deeper with some mm. Q&A, uh, find out uh, a little bit more about Whole Foods and how they came to be with Amazon. So we're, it's going to be a great session to end the conference. And, and you know, just fresh from that conference call, we were just kind of prepping and talking about what we're going to talk about, so to speak. He's got um, this perspective about retail, modern retail, that is... Um, you know, interesting for everyone, no matter whether you're in grocery or no matter what part of retail you're in, and then kind of hone in. Because Walter, I didn't realize this, uh, was actually the executive that led the launch into Canada of Whole Foods. Yeah, definitely. So not only is he a, you know, a global leader, but he's got Canadian expertise, which is so, if he was talking about Saskatchewan, it's not often we hear about That's you right. know, our American guests talking about uh, the great province of Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of fun to listen to. Um you know, store though isn't just one event; uh, it's three. Yeah, three and um, one. It's a three. <laughs> it's a three and one event, which makes your life uh, and your team's life extra fun. Let's talk about the other two events that happen yeah. in and around store. I mean, each day for a store, we get to close off with a gala. So the first night, we're finishing with our Excellence in Retailing Awards, which we like to call the Oscars of Retail. So it's a, just a great way to celebrate our industry. We have thirteen different categories that our retailers are able to um, 
register for. And uh, it's really celebrating the industry, celebrating the teams, all the hard work that they've put into the year before. Mm. And uh, we also have some awards of distinction winners, which we'll be announcing soon. So very exciting. Celebrating the best of the yeah. best when it comes to that. Lifetime achievement and retailer of the year retailer and, and, the and year. indie ambassador of the That's year. Those right. are all coming up. I don't think they're quite announced yet, but uh, we, we just announced oh. our Canadian Grand Prix uh, New Product Awards Lifetime Achievement Award winner, which is Sobe this year. Oh, so fantastic. That just came out today. The Sobe family, right? This the Sobe's family. That's so right. Nice. So amazing. And they just, and they just uh, we covered it in a past episode, they just donated millions and millions of dollars into education. So really giving back. Uh, what a great, uh, yeah, great very testament to their contribution. Great Canadian Absolutely, family. Yeah. So on day two, we actually closed with our Canadian Grand Prix New Product Awards uh, Gala. So that's celebrating the best new products that have come out in 2018. Um, celebrating all the great food and mm-hmm. all the great uh, in-home care products, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we were talking earlier about the judging and the full week that our judges commit to mm-hmm. assessing the food and all of that stuff. So it should be a great night. I mean, both awards are so um, relevant and so personal in some ways because the Excellence of Retail Awards on, on the, and this is May 28th and 29th, right? That's right. Yeah. So Excellence in Retail is on the 28th and it's peer judged, right? Other retailers judge uh, under the cloak of secrecy, all the submissions. Exactly. And then on the second night, as you described, we we see, you know we get a bunch of industry folks together, leaders, have them judge. And what I loved about that, because I participated in a couple of years, is is in the case of food, it all gets cooked and prepared all at the same time. So That's there's right. no you know there's no variation about microwave temperature or intensity. Everyone is tasting everything in the terms of in the context of food. It's not just food. All at the same time. So That's when you right. when you win at either of these events, it's a really it's really quite a strong testament to both uh, you know the, the brand and the leadership and the teams, depending on who developed Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, it's uh, thanks so much for taking uh, time out of your soup. Probably the busiest day, busiest time of the year, uh, busiest for sure. time of the year. Uh, so thanks again for taking the time My out of pleasure. your day and uh, talking with the Voice of Retail. Great, thank you. Well, all right. Thanks to Peter, Tony, and Michelle for sitting down for those interviews. Now, let's have a look at uh, retail this week. Uh, top stories of the week in retail, and this taken from, uh, largely taken from, companion piece to the Voice of Retail podcast, which is Retail This Week e newsletter put t- together. I put that together each and every week for Retail Council of Canada. Top e news, or sorry, top retail news stories of the week available to sign up at retailcouncil.org. So we start with Henry's camera acquiring Lozo to become Canada's largest photography retailer in Canada. This is from Retail Insider, Craig Pieta, Great Patterson's Retail Insider. Uh, so congratulations to Killian Stein uh, and the entire team for that uh, for that moniker, for that uh, acquisition, acquisition and strategy. Certainly uh, in that category, uh, having that uh, ability to go coast to coast and have some size and selection uh, really makes for uh, a great strategy. Uh, Lululemon plans to double sales from men's products, set sites on footwear market. So um, Calvin McDonald out in the news with uh, results, this one from CBC, but it really covered everywhere across the world, talking about how uh, their real big focus is going to be at online and growing uh, the men's category, the athleisure retailer, Lululemon as it's called. Uh, Vancouver-based plans double revenue, in fact, from men's products and digital sales. And quadruple international earnings by 2023. So ambitious numbers, but certainly Lululemon has a track record to pull that off. Um, Article on uh, Canada Goose, this from uh, Forbes, Golden Goose, how Danny Rice became billionaire, turning Canada Goose into a luxury brand powerhouse. Not the first article by any means we've had on Canada Goose uh, in retail this week, uh, but it's great to see the Canadian success story. And it's also great to be uh, in Toronto and not have to wear that coat anymore. I love my Canada Goose coat, but uh, it's nice not to have to to wear it anymore as the weather starts to turn. And what else? Oh, on um, speaking of Vancouver, I was talking about uh, Lululemon based in Vancouver. May 9th, uh, readers, uh, RCC Leaders in Retail Breakfast Series comes to Vancouver uh, with the great Daryl Jones, president of Save On Foods. Uh, getting your ability there to, uh, if you're a supplier on the vendor side, either in goods and services, sit down and hear directly from Daryl uh, his thoughts uh, on the uh, on his strategy. So be sure and check that out on uh, retailcouncil.org. I uh, got a great video from uh, BNN. Casper CEO doubles down on Canada. So not only are they expanding their 
physical presence here. I was in their uh, Queen Street store, popped in Queen Street store, Queen Street store uh, in Toronto, popped in just to have a look uh, yesterday, actually. But they're also now manufacturing in Canada. So that gives them, uh, I guess, that gives them a price uh, parity, a better price parity against uh, the likes of uh, Andy, uh, just because, um, you know, they can, they can uh, price uh, and control the manufacturing a little closer to source. So good luck to them. Uh, Sobey's family honored by honored by Retail Council of Canada. So that will be at the Canadian uh, Grand Prix Grocery uh, Canadian uh, New Products uh, Awards. That'll be on May 29th. Uh, you heard Michelle talk all about that. Uh, and Best Buy, Ron Wilson is named RCC's Excellence in Retail uh, Distinguished Canadian Retailer of the Year. So congratulations to Ron uh, for winning that. That'll be on the night prior. And again, as Michelle said, on May 28th. Don't miss that gala if you're in Toronto or able to get to Toronto. And we talked about this last week. Metro, this from Canadian Grocer. Metro reports second quarter profit and sales up uh, from the prior year. But uh, there's a good article on Canadian Grocer. So I thought I would put that in uh, into uh, retail this week. And I just mentioned it here. I think they're up 4%. So uh, some of that's a bit of food inflation. Um, and you heard um, uh, yeah, Peter Van Stock. I actually didn't hear, but later in the interview, uh, in part two, we were talking about the price of, of avocados that has skyrocketed uh, because of the delays at the border. You just take a day to get through the border in Mexico. Now it takes four days. So uh, the price of avocado toast is exorbitant. And uh, uh, people are, including myself, I love that, but uh, time to start moving on if uh, the prices of avocados keep going the way they are. Uh, retail on the wor- around the world, great article from CNN on uh, CVS of the future. So it's, uh, CVS did this massive acquisition uh, where they bought into the healthcare uh, industry um, in the U.S. and they call it a healthcare destination. So a great visual and a great eye for uh, one possible future. Uh, from Retail Dive, Chico's, um, which uh, FAS, which is Chico's, White House Black Market, Soma, and Telltale Banners. Uh, Shelley Brodeur, who uh, was an operator in Canada, has resigned as CEO. And uh, of all people, Bonnie Brooks, who I didn't know was on their board, is taking over as interim president. So Bonnie Brooks, of course, uh, that she of Hudson's Bay Company, but was on uh, was on the board now, taking over as operator of, uh, of Chico's. Um, of course, lots of great uh, retailers there. Uh, Sandra Sanderson, who came uh, recently back to Canada from Warmer to Chico's and now is uh, looking after uh, marketing at Sobe. So uh, lots of people uh, coming around from Chico's. They didn't, were not having a ton of success. Uh, so I guess it was time to make a change uh, as these things go. Uh, Sears article here. Sears, you know, this guy just continues. I love uh, back to Steve Dennis, who you heard there briefly, uh, his article or his title about Sears. Sears uh, lives to die again. Sears sues former CEO Edward Lambert claiming he stripped $2 billion in assets uh, as it headed to bankruptcy. So that's a bit of a familiar tune uh, as uh, basically uh, it, many thought that's exactly what he did uh, to the Canadian business and uh, certainly the pensioners here in Canada uh, continue to fight for uh, similar. Uh, from the Globe and Mail, um, interesting Amazon story of the week, I guess you could say. Uh, and this is just one I pulled, pulled from the Globe and Mail. Amazon is plans to shut down China online stores. So not successful everywhere. Tough to be uh, successful. You think about uh, also social media giants like Facebook who really struggle, have really been blocked out, uh, in fact, in China. So good story there from the Globe and Mail. And uh, Kohl's is starting to accept Amazon returns in a cry. I guess they're stepping up their game of integration of Amazon returns. I, you know, it's an interesting strategy, right? Um, it certainly drives foot traffic, but at what cost? In other words, uh, it will get uh, Amazon shoppers, which don't forget they own almost 50% of all e-commerce and online sales in the U.S. So it's a ton of product uh, bringing back returns into Kohl's. Um, and I guess the play there is Kohl's gets the foot traffic and gets the opportunity to sell them, uh, cross-sell them and upsell them and do all those kind of things. Um, interesting strategy. We'll see how it plays out in the long run. Don't know if it's the right one, but uh, we'll see. Um, what else we got? Oh, Poppy Barley. So congratulations to Poppy Barley. Edmonton-based indie uh, has been named RCC's Independent in, Independent Retail Ambassador of the Year. Hope to get uh, Kendall on from Poppy Barley and, and chit and chat about uh, the Poppy Barley business. Great business, uh, footwear business, uh, again, based in Edmonton. So article here from uh, Retail Insider on uh, Poppy Barley, just coinciding with uh, their winning of the Independent Retail Ambassador of the Year. 
Uh, let's see, there's a, a Smith Falls shoe store, Smith's Shoes, celebrating 75 years in business. Congratulations, that's from inside Ottawa. Coastal Contacts, this is interesting. Uh, founder Roger Herity returns to online eyewear. This is from Business in Vancouver. And uh, Brandon Truax, a little look back. Remember uh, Brandon uh, from Decium, uh, who sadly passed away this year, and uh, they went through quite a bit of turmoil uh, in his life and in the business and it's uh, just an interesting article actually highlights some of the things we chatted about in the voice of retail a couple of uh, months ago you know can decium which really was driven from uh, the founder's vision uh, can it continue uh, to um, to exist and to thrive and and what will that company's culture look like uh, what else we've got we've got uh, neiman marcus invests in luxury reseller fashion file interesting uh, as we think about uh, all the different businesses that are that are getting into the sustainability. Peter talked about uh, sustainability at the core of his business uh, at Spud. Uh, in um, Amazon Prime was a game changer. This is uh, interesting from Digiday, um, and it just talks about loyalty. We've talked about loyalty a couple of times, both uh, paid premium loyalty, so this article dives into that a bit from Digiday. Uh, and online shopping, golden age of free easy returns is ending. I'm not sure that ever was the case, ever started. Uh, I guess from a consumer's perspective, this is from Vox. Uh, and it really is talking about uh, this boom, so to speak, that retailers face when uh, they start selling online. Of course, naturally, just organically, retail um, returns are going to go up uh, just organically. And it's interesting here, they make the point, and I think we've made it before, uh, that returns or reverse logistics uh, is um, the top user of warehouse space in America, accounting for 700 million square feet nationally. So, uh, you know, returns and online is really, um, you know, that is, I wouldn't say the Achilles heel, but if you don't understand how your reverse logistics work and how to manage those, uh, you're going to be in a dose of trouble real quick. Uh, all right, well, that's a wrap on this edition of The Voice of Retail. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. You can also ask your favorite home devices, Amazon Echo, Google Home. Uh, just say, you know, hey, Google. I don't want to say that too loud because I have a Google device and start talking every time I do that. Uh, play The Voice of Retail podcast. Um, I'm Michael LeBlanc, founder and president of Emmy LeBlanc Company. And you can learn more about me on www.meleblanc.co co or on LinkedIn. Join me again next week for part two of my interview with Peter, uh, with retailer Peter Van Stock and Michelle Sexsmith from Enveronics Analytics talking about their powerful ClickSpend product and the insights and advantages retailers can glean from utilizing that tool. And uh, we'll also get lots of insights, I'm sure, from, uh, from Michelle. And until then, have a great week.